This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Hello, it's good to be with you today. Can, can, can you imagine something like this happening one morning? You, you get up and before you leave to go to work, go to school, you, you want to catch a little news before you leave. And so the commentator comes on and he says, we, we can't explain this. But, but overnight, there, there seems to be a revival sweeping across America, a spiritual revival. Lives are being changed for the better. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? I, I've heard so many people say of late that, that we need a revival in America, a spiritual revival in America. Because we'll get people back to God, get people back to believing and studying and, and living by the Bible again. And that's often a need. In Psalms chapter 85 and verse 6, David said, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Today we want to discuss this topic. Prerequisites to revival. What are they? Please stay tuned to getting to know your Bible today as we talk about this very, very vital topic. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course in order that you might know how to receive the course and something about the course itself. We want to take a little brief pause. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Several of the chapters in the book of Psalms written by David are, are what we call penitential psalms. They're, they're psalms where David is expressing his penitence over personal sin. One of those is Psalms 51. I'd like to read just a few lines and a few verses out of the 51st Psalm, starting at verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You know, it's a little difficult to believe that the same man who wrote the great 23rd Psalm that begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is the man that wrote the 51st Psalm. In one, in one of those Psalms, David is on the mountaintop. In another, he is in the valley. But you see, that's just one of the marks of the inspiration of the Bible. 
that the Bible points out not only the good in the lives of God's people, it also shows their blunders, their mistakes, and their wrongs. Now, David is described in the Bible as being a man after God's own heart. But, but David was a man after God's own heart, not when he was sinning, but David was a man after God's own heart when he was repenting of his sin. And the 51st Psalm is, is where David is expressing his regret, his sorrow, and his penitence for sin that he had committed. I believe in this 51st Psalm that there are prerequisites to bringing a revival into my life as an individual, to, to bringing a revival into the church today, to bringing a revival among a nation of people if we just follow these steps. And the first of those steps, the first prerequisite is contrition. Notice in the very first verse of Psalm 51 that David said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, uh, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, Blot out my transgression. Then in verse 2 he says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. He said, listen to him, Have mercy upon me, O God. That, that, that expression is, is reminiscent of the publican in Luke chapter 18. Where Jesus tells about two men who went up to the temple to pray. One of those men was a Pharisee. One of them was a publican or a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and he prayed like this, Lord, I, I want you to know, Lord, how good I am. Now, I'm paraphrasing, of course. He said, Lord, I want you to know that I'm not like other men. I want you to know, Lord, that I'm not an extortioner. I want you to know, Lord, that I am not an unjust person. I want you to know, Lord, that I'm not guilty of adultery. And I want you to know, Lord, that I, I'm so thankful, Lord, that I'm not like other people. I'm thankful I'm not like that man standing over there and he was pointing at the publican. I heard about a Sunday school teacher that was tr trying to teach this lesson to a group of small children. And then she called on one of the little boys to pray. And he, he prayed and he said, Lord, we thank you that we're not like the Pharisee. You know, that's a hard lesson to learn, isn't it? This man was praying and he said, God, I, I want you to know how good I am. And then there was the publican standing a distance away. And the Bible says he would not so much as lift his eyes to heaven, but he smote his breast. And this is what he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, and you know, the Lord analyze those two men just like he's analyzing us today and this was the Lord's analysis of those two men the Pharisees and the Pharisee and the publican and the Lord said this man that is the publican went down to his house justified rather than the other for he that exalteth himself that would have been the Pharisee he that exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted.
You know, the old axiom is true, isn't it? The way up is always down. Pride is an anti-God state of mind. God resists pride. In Proverbs 16 and 18, it was Solomon who said, Pride goes before a destruction and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. You see, the first step in, in a revival is contrition where we, we recognize, God, I need you. Have mercy upon me, O God. There was a man who was climbing the Swiss Alps. And it is said when they got to the top, he wanted to stand up in triumph after having reached that height. And the guide pulled him down to his knees. He said, on your knees, sir, on your knees. You're not safe unless you're on your knees. See, the wind was blowing so swiftly, so hard at the top, it likely could have blown him off the top of the mountain. And I've often thought about this. You know, we're not safe. We're not safe unless we're on our knees. Contrition. You see, that's the step number one. Now, the second step in this revival we're talking about is confession. Now, notice what he said in verse number three. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. You know, that's a hard thing to do, to admit you're wrong, isn't it? Think about someone having an automobile accident. Maybe it's just a little fender bender, but here's a man, he jumps out of his car, and this one jumps out of their car, and they're pointing fingers at one another. It was your fault. It was your fault. No, no, it was your fault. No, it was your fault. And the police officer comes on the scene, and he begins to make out a report. Well, how did this happen? Well, it was his fault. Or they just cannot admit they're wrong. Or somebody's getting a divorce in the midst of a problem. Well, who is it? Well, it's her fault. No, it's his fault. You see, it's a difficult thing to acknowledge the fact that we're wrong. David admitted he was wrong. He said, Lord, I have sinned against you. I have sinned. Those are three of the hardest words to, to, to utter in the English language. I have sinned. You see, some people do not think they ever do anything wrong. And it's a wise person who realizes when they are wrong. I heard about a guy that went into a barber shop. He wanted to get a, he wanted to get a, a shave and a haircut. And so while the barber is shaving him, that there's a young woman who came over and said, Would you like to have your nails done while you're here? He said, Well, sure. And so while the barber's shaving him, she's manicuring his fingernails. So he takes it as an opportunity to, to say something to the woman. He says, uh, say, uh, uh, wh what are you doing when you get off from work? Well, she said, uh, I'm going home. And uh, she said, I'm going home to my husband. Oh, she said, oh, your husband won't matter. Says, well, why don't you ask him? Because he's shaving you right now. You see, that man been wise to realize that he had done wrong. It's hard to admit it. 
I heard about a fellow who, who was like that. He never could admit he was wrong about anything. And, and so he was staying in someone's home as a guest one night, and he was staying upstairs. So the next morning he was on his way down the steps, and he tripped and he fell, and he tumbled down the steps, and the hostess began to apologize and apologize and apologize. He said, I always come down steps like that. Well, they sat down to eat breakfast, and he was so shaken by the fall, rather than putting sugar in his coffee, began to pour salt in his coffee, and she called that to his attention, but he's not ever wrong, you see. He said, I always put salt in my coffee. And there are people like that in life. They can never say, I've done wrong. We need to be willing to acknowledge our faults and our sins. Proverbs 28 and verse 13 says, Who that cover their sins is, shall, uh, shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh them shall find mercy. If we want to find mercy at the hand of God, we've got to be willing to say, God, I've been wrong. Lord, I've sinned against you. And God will have mercy on our souls when we render obedience to His will. So we have to be willing to confess our sins. I may be speaking to someone right now that's a member of the Church of Christ, hasn't been to church in years. You need to acknowledge your sin. And if you do, God will forgive you. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins. Now let me tell you, 1 John 1 and 9 is not written to the person who's not a Christian. It's written to the Christian. And it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all uh, uh, iniquity. God is willing to cleanse us and to forgive us, but the condition is confess your sins. That's hard to do, isn't it? Now here's the third step in, in a revival, and that's in verse uh, number 2 and verse 7 and verse 10. Cleansing. Listen to verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Now verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Evidently, when David wrote this psalm, David felt unworthy. Da David felt defiled. David felt dirty before God. So he says, God, I want you to wash me. I want you to cleanse me. I feel so unworthy, God. I want you to cleanse me. And if we're ever going to have a revival, there must be cleansing of the sin that's in our life. You know, have you ever watched a commercial on television? And, and there's a woman in this ad. And I don't know whether you've ever noticed it, but, but when they use women to advertise on television, they usually get the most beautiful women they can find. And maybe she's advertising some cosmetic. Maybe she's advertising some clothing line. Maybe she's advertising uh, some kind of a soap that you can use. And on the outside, she looks so beautiful. But have you ever wondered how we must look 
on the inside to God. Now you see, that's a pretty serious thought, isn't it? See, see, man looks at the outward appearance. God is looking at our hearts. And a person may be so beautiful and, and, and beautiful in appearance on the outside, but our hearts may be polluted. And that's one kind of pollution. I'm afraid the environmentalists of our day are not really that concerned about. I'm, I'm concerned about the, the, our environment but I'm more concerned about the pollution that's in the hearts of men and women today. I want to read a passage to you from the 15th chapter of Matthew. And it's in verse 19. And this verse says, Out of the heart. Out of what, Lord? Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Where do evil thoughts come from? Out of the heart. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Out of the heart proceed murders. Why are there killings in the land? It's because it comes out of the hearts of people. The person who would take a weapon, whether it's a gun or a knife or some other weapon, and take the life of another individual is doing that because there's a problem with their spiritual heart. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries. Why do men or women commit adultery? It's because, first of all, it's in their heart. And then fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. You see, the thing that needs to be cleansed is our heart. It's out of the heart that proceeds all kinds of things that are a pollution to our souls. And let me tell you something. Now, please listen to me. Uh, this is not going to be difficult to understand. It's going to be very simple. We cannot cleanse our own heart. We just cannot do that. And there's only one way to have our hearts cleansed of sin. And that's coming to the foot of the cross. I, I'm talking to some father right now who, who's going through some turmoil in his life. And maybe you have sin in your life and you know it. Maybe your wife doesn't know it. Maybe your children don't know it. But you know it. God knows it. Or maybe I'm talking to some teenager right now who's been involved in things that they know are wrong. They're not right. They were not raised to do the things you're doing. And your parents be horrified if they knew you were doing it. There's only one way to get it right. And that's to come to the foot of the cross. And it's at the foot of the cross we can find cleansing for our sins. That's why Jesus died on the cross, that our sins might be washed away in His blood. Unto Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. What is it that can wash away my sins? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away my sins. The point that I want to make is that we've got to contact that blood. And the way we contact or benefit or appropriate the benefit of that shed blood is by rendering obedience to the Word of God or obey the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and, and I'm reading now from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, wherein you stand by which you are saved, if, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day, according to the Scripture. Now that's what he wrote to the church at Corinth. He, he preached to them the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ who came to this world, lived, died on the cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and was raised from the dead that you and I might have hope of everlasting life beyond this world. And you're saved by the gospel he pe preached. But what did those people in Corinth do to be saved by that gospel? And if you'll turn in your Bible back to the book of Acts, chapter 18, and in verse number 8, we learn what they did. This is a historical account of what the people to whom Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians did to be saved by the gospel. L listen to it now. Many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's Mark 16, 16. And the verse prior to that said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes the gospel and is baptized shall be saved. Have you ever been baptized for the remission of your sins? Let your sins be washed away. If we want a real revival, if we're willing to, to say, God, have mercy upon me. And God, I, I admit my sins, God. And now, Lord, I, I come depending upon you to wash me and cleanse me of my sins. Well, here's another part of that revival that we really need, and that's communion. Now, notice it in verse 11 and 12. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not the Holy Spirit from me, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. David knew what it was to have close fellowship with God. Well, when he wrote that great 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He knew what it was to be close to God. And David did not want to lose that fellowship, that communion with God. And he said, Lord, I want you, I want you to, to create me and me a clean heart. Don't cast me away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. I want your presence in my life. I want to be near you, Father. 
And the way we do that are the first three steps that I've mentioned. Contrition, confession, and cleansing. And then we have that fellowship with the Father. Uh, there was a preacher who had been ill. And because of his illness, he was quarantined to his house. The home in which he lived I must have belonged to the church because the, the house that he lived in was right next to the church building. But he was quarantined. Someone else was having to preach in his absence. And, and, and he stood it just as long as he could. So he slipped out of the house. And he got underneath one of the windows of the church building. And he said, I listened to them singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and praising God. I listened to them as they prayed to God. And I listened as the man who was taking my place got up and he preached the word of God. And it was so good. And he said, as I was standing there on the outside listening to what was going on the inside. I had this thought come to my mind. What a terrible thing it would be to be shut out of heaven. What a terrible thing it would be to not be able to call God my Father in heaven and not have my heavenly reward. Well, you can have if we'll follow these four things about revival, be willing to say, Lord, you need to have mercy upon me, God. You need to acknowledge that I've done wrong, Lord, and I come to the foot of the cross for cleansing. And then you'll be in fellowship with Him forever and ever, and heaven will be your everlasting home. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, let me encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And right now, pick up the telephone, call for the free Bible correspondence course. Do that right now, please. And call, you can take it online if you choose to do so. But however you do, take the Bible course. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214.
join us next time for getting to know your Bible.